Hey everyone, it's Blake, and welcome in to today's episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we welcome in Andy Perez, who is the host of the new Dissecting Dynamite post-show on 411 Mania, and it's going to be on 411's YouTube channel each and every Wednesday night, right after Dynamite, and the debut edition will start this Wednesday, after the one-year anniversary edition of Dynamite, I'm going to join Andy on the first episode and talk about uh, what we saw from the anniversary show for AEW Dynamite, and that's exactly what we talked about in this podcast. We went through and talked about some of our favorite moments from one year of AEW Dynamite and everything AEW has been able to accomplish along the way. We went into a lot of different topics, uh, looking at who's been the MVP for AEW in this past year of weekly television. We talked about the different divisions, the tag team division, the women's division, all the different things that are going on in AEW, what we've seen from a lot of these talents along the way, what are some things we'd like to see a year from now, and we even made some fun predictions a little bit later on. Who do we think is going to be the AEW World Champion, uh, once we have our two-year AEW Dynamite uh, anniversary. We talked about a lot of different things. We mentioned a lot of different wrestlers. Uh, This conversation was really in-depth in terms of uh, if you're someone who has followed this journey for AEW over this past year of having a television show each and every week on TNT, we talked a lot about it, and we brought up some things that you may have actually forgotten about because, uh, as we mentioned many times, It's not easy to remember everything when you're talking about a weekly television show, but there have been a lot of highlights for AEW over the past year, and we tried to discuss as many of them as we could, as well as some of the things that maybe have not worked as well for AEW and some of the things that they can improve on here as they move forward with AEW Dynamite. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Dissecting Dynamite host Andy Perez. All right, as promised, uh, our guest today is Andy Perez, and as I mentioned in the intro, Andy is going to be hosting a brand new Dissecting Dynamite show on the 411 YouTube channel. We're going to be doing that after Dynamite each and every Wednesday night. And uh, Andy, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, We're excited to to get this uh, Dissecting Dynamite going, and of course you and I today, we're going to discuss basically AEW Dynamite uh, one year now. It's hard to believe it's been going that long, isn't it? Oh my gosh, and it has been a wild and crazy year at that. I'm excited to uh, to break it down. It's going to be fun, and as we said, we'll we'll give more details on the uh, the dissecting dynamite show uh, later on uh, when we wrap up our conversation. But mm-hmm. for now, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting to think back. Like we said, it it has been a year, and it's something where you know I think the expectations. For AEW going in, a lot of people were unknown. They didn't know exactly what Mm -hmm. to expect. I think probably you and I included on that in terms of, you know, we we knew what the roster looked like. We knew what had been assembled. But, you know, I think it's just one of those things where from a viewership standpoint, from an audience standpoint, you never really know until you launch that show. And although we had seen, you know, previous shows, pay-per-view type events, we just, we didn't know exactly what things were going to look like from a weekly television standpoint. And so it's pretty fascinating to think back to how things first started. And of course you had NXT making the switch to, to go head to head. And it is, it's crazy, man, to think back to kind of how far exactly. AEW has come in this one year time. Yeah. You, you're looking a year back and you see the Young Bucks, you see Kenny Omega, you see Cody coming together to uh to make this amazing wrestling company with uh with Tony Khan and and I feel like the the big 
uh, pun intended explosion <laughs> happened when uh, when Chris Jericho was was, was announced as being uh, being being part of the roster. You know, of course, we just came off the the thirty year uh, Jericho thing, and and that was obviously a fun show. But I mean, I, I don't think you can say enough. And one of the things I was thinking about today, actually, is you know a lot of people are talking about you know what are your favorite memories, and we'll actually discuss some of those uh, in a bit. But you know, to me, like who's the MVP of this entire you know dynamite one year run here? I mean, I, I there have been a lot of great. I mean, Moxley's champ. I get that, and we'll talk about him in a minute, mm-hmm. but. I just don't think anyone else has stood out to me like Jericho. And I know it's just one of those things where he's been such a big part of what they've done. And, you know, that's obviously part of that's the inner circle. I mean, it's a, it's a group that is pretty much still, I think at this point, kind of at that top, top tier, like you haven't really seen them slide back. And as Jericho's Mm -hmm. mentioned many times, you know, they, they haven't been one to where, Every week or every other week, they're teasing a breakup or something like this. Like we tend to see with a lot of, <laughs> you know, factions over the years. No, it's they just, are tight knit. <laughs> exactly. Are like group. they are so tight knit. And I think just his involvement in that has really been to me the highlight. Of course, we know all the feuds he's had along the way uh, with Orange Cassidy, of course, you know, losing the title to Moxley and just everything he's done. It just seems like he just keeps reinventing himself, and he has, to me, been kind of that highlight of this entire one-year run for Dynamite. And, and that's exactly it. No, Everybody expects Chris Jericho to to innovate and reinvent himself, but him, him being able to do that in addition to elevating the talent around him and the way that he has – bringing uh bringing Jake Hager yeah. bringing Jake Hager up uh Sammy Guevara uh ev- everybody in in the inner circle has has gotten better because of their association with with Chris Jericho and like you were talking about with his uh with his laundry list of laundry list of opponents that he has also brought up the Orange Cassidy's uh his matches with Darby Allen making yeah. Darby Allen look like a star uh singles matches with with Jungle Boy that make yeah. Jungle Boy look like the future of the company it, it, it's undeniable the importance of uh of Jericho and the inner circle to AEW success this first year yeah they've been fantastic and I know you just kind of of course you know I think the biggest moment for them obviously was the uh the stadium stampede match and of course that's that's not dynamite specific <laughs> but um you know still though i mean that's just that 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 has been such a huge part though because we can remember them kind of hyping up the match itself and then afterwards uh, i still laugh because it's funny the other day uh, i guess aew's having their their big fall sale or something on their their online shop and such and you know i picked out a couple things to buy and and i was like all right i'm gonna buy this and that of course you still see the stadium stampede shirt on there that's still half price. <laughs> you know, it's still twelve fifty off the uh, the regular twenty four ninety nine, and I just crack up every time I see that. I still haven't bought it yet, but at some point I'm gonna be like, all right, when I, I'm gonna get my next order and I'm gonna end up buying this shirt. I was just about to bring that up because I also had my eyes on a certain shop AEW fall sale, and I and I may have copped one of a uh, one of the stadium stampede <laughs> uh, inner circle shirts in the meantime. So. Uh, it, it, at least one of us took advantage of it, you know? <laughs> well, I hope to be seeing you uh, wearing that on uh, the Dissecting Dynamite show because I'll, I'll have to bring my gear as well when I come on the show with you because um, <laughs> I Sounds did. like a plan. <laughs> I went on quite a... Quite a spree uh, for this one, and uh, I had to get my I had to get my Dark Order shirt too. John Silver, Alex Reynolds, uh, my goodness, John Silver. Everybody knows I love this guy, but uh, we can talk more about him uh, when we do our our. I guess we'll do our Being the Elite uh, yearly anniversary show at some point, and uh, John Silver will be the star on that one. But speaking of Jericho, yeah. you know, 
one of the things I think about with Jericho too is the the pandemic when it first started. Of course, you know that's when AEW is like many other people, like many other companies, having to adjust on the fly. And <laughs> I just remember back watching those shows that they were doing. And of course, they they decided, you know, well, it almost like one of those decisions where they had to do it, like they didn't have a choice. And Jericho's brought this up many times, where they basically said, "Hey, you know, we need you on commentary. Like, we need you doing this, and we need you doing that." Because of course, they didn't have their full uh, roster at the time. They were basically trying to just come up with different things and tape as many shows as they could at the same time, not knowing what things could look like week to week. And of course. Jericho's on commentary for all those, and and I just, I mean, obviously he was hilarious on everything with that, but, you know, that brings up, that brings up something else too, though, I was thinking, Andy, is that to me, and we can talk about some of the talents that kind of stood out during that first part of, of this era, but I thought Jericho too was so fantastic in sort of making some of these younger talents during that. And we, you know, Pineapple Pete, and we remember all those lines and everything. But Exactly. Like, he was just so great. And that's another way I think that he's done that. It hasn't just been his character in the ring, anything like that. Even during the stretches on commentary, he finds a way to kind of put these people over. And I thought that's been another highlight. Oh, most definitely. And, and talk about a jack-of-all-trades, or I guess a, a Jericho-of-all-trades. You have a you have an author, you have a wrestler, you have a rock star, and you have a commentator that can go one on one with with Jim Ross and perhaps even best him in the commentary booth nowadays. I mean, he 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 has just been like you said, putting every single star over that that he comes across or that or that he even mentions, and that carries into uh, uh, he, his recent interactions with uh, with MJF, which I have just been savoring. Uh, not only comedy gold, but you can tell that they're that they're building that they're building to something that uh, that will surely be great with 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 the talents of MJF and Chris Jericho at hand. You know what I mean? And that's the thing too. Like MJ, MJF's been one of those. I think when we look at just the overall picture of of guys that you know when when AEW first started, I mean MJF was someone that everybody knew. Like he was he was on that upswing. Like everybody understood that this was a this was a guy, obviously, on the mic that is unlike many others. I mean, he had a character that had worked before AEW, but then I think it was mm-hmm. a matter of, okay, to what point are they going to let him dial it to in terms of how far can they take this upward? And we've seen that, like for him especially. And, and you know, we obviously saw him get a title match uh, recently, you know, against Moxley. And, and I think you've just seen this guy. He's undoubtedly been one of the stars, uh, I think, of this last year run, especially since they've been on television week to week. Um, that you know, he's just been someone that has really stood out. And I think you can throw a lot of people in that category. You can put MJF in there. Um, you could look at obviously Hangman Page has been someone that has seen kind of the evolution of his character. Um, you know, we mentioned Jungle Boy earlier, like Sammy Guevara, like even Britt Baker. I think is someone that you think about where Britt Baker was on that very first episode of dynamite where she, I think she was on commentary for that first episode. And like, she's playing a completely different character. And now she's just like the complete opposite at this point. And, and and talk about those stars that have really stood out during the, uh, during the pandemic era, even even though she hasn't been uh, competing in ring during a large portion of this era, she, uh, she has really made her character shine in these backstage skits. Uh, the way she carries herself when she's when she's outside of the ring uh, w- with the other talent as well, uh, she has really stood out to me, and I feel like she's she's really going to get her time to shine in the uh, in the women's division going forward. 
Yeah, I think so too. She's, um, you look at how far she's come in this one year span and, and to think too. And, and I think that's something about AEW. I don't know what it is, but they just find ways to put these younger talents, I guess, in spots to where they're usually either working with someone that you know is going to be able to kind of bring out those little things to kind of help push them forward, or mm-hmm. it's just putting them in the right spots or the right stories. And I feel like they do such a good job with that. And one of the things I've always thought about is, and you know, this is not going to turn into to me bashing WWE or anything like that, but obviously WWE is what people compare AEW to because they are the big two for everyone in terms of where things are at in, in North America right now. I think, Andy, when I think about it, the difference to me is when, when I watch WWE on a weekly basis in terms of, you know, obviously all the television they have each week, you know, for Raw and SmackDown, and maybe it's gotten better a bit, I think, on SmackDown when you look at stuff with, with Roman Reigns and obviously right. the, the Bailey sasha thing and all that. Like, I think they've done a really good job with those specific things. But it seems like because of the amount of hours that they have, there are so many things on the show that don't necessarily lead to anything. And I think with AEW, that tight two hours every single week, like, I feel like pretty much everything they do, and, and I'm sure you could point out examples along the way, maybe things that just didn't go anywhere, uh, but I think for the most part, knowing that they have a plan and knowing that every match, every angle, every interview, there is a purpose for it, that to me keeps me invested because I at least think that it's going somewhere. Even if it doesn't turn out perfect, I at least feel like something is headed in the right direction. Right. Uh, every Every minute of of AEW feels like feels like essential programming which uh which is exciting when you're when you're watching it uh building building guys like Darby Allen up to the to the point that that he is today I mean I I had no reference for for Darby Allen when when I first started watching AEW and now he's he's become one of my favorite performers and and you mentioned uh people comparing WWE uh, specifically NXT against AEW it's not only fans doing that um, it, it, WWE themselves did that, and and that surprised me from the get go. Uh, right after the ratings of of the first AEW versus uh, NXT programming came out, WWE released that that infamous statement uh, saying to, something to the degree something to the degree of uh, this is this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Even WWE has uh, a ha, has spoken on AEW, which which surprised me. Well, and I think too, and I brought up Raw and SmackDown, but you know, obviously, the the biggest competition has been between those two because they're on the same night or have been for the most part, uh, aside right. from maybe you know switching back and forth here the past I don't know a couple months or so now. But it does feel like you know those are the two best each week, and I know there's a lot of people right now that are enjoying Impact and all sorts of other companies, but. You know, you think about it, and and I do think NXT does a good job of just, you know, that continuity with storylines and kind of having a purpose with where things are going. And it is a shame, you know, (laughs) both of these are on the same night. And and obviously there's been a a lot of discussion about whether that that eventually is the case and whether one moves or obviously thinking that NXT could be the one that moves to potentially Tuesdays or something like that. But um, it is. It's something where I think a lot of people wish they could watch both at the same time. But to to see AEW, and and we talk about all these positives that we've seen, and I think that's what's allowed them to keep this viewership that they have because – they do have that continuity week to week. They do have the stuff, I think, that sort of stands out for people. It, it almost has, I mean, even if you just look at the AEW Dynamite poster or the logo, 
It's very colorful. Like, there's just so many things, I think, that, that they do a good job of from a presentation standpoint to stand out. And the thing about it, Andy, is they're doing all this and really have for a large part of the past, whatever it's been, seven months, they're doing all this within a pandemic and basically having to adjust on the fly so much now. I mean, we saw even the most recent example, you know, here lately when the Lance Archer thing and they had to shuffle things around. Um, right. You know, it's just I think that's been impressive to me because, again, we're talking about a company that's been on television for one year. And I know there are people that have experience, but to be able to, I think, shuffle things around the way that they've had, that has been another impressive part of this. Right. And I, and I believe we've gotten to the point where there's been more shows in the pandemic area yep. era without the audience uh, than there has been with the with the audience. So I, I, I feel like a large portion of that has just been uh, the crop of stars that we've seen uh, shine during this during this pandemic era, in addition to some of the new debuts that we've seen during this era. Uh, I mean, without fans, we've seen the debuts of a. Uh, of broken Matt Hardy. Yeah. We've seen the debut of FTR. We've seen the debut of, uh, of Brian cage and even maybe even, uh, more, I guess, unsuccessful situations like the, like the debut of like Matt Cardona and things of that nature. Yeah. Now we've seen a lot of, a lot of people come in. I mean, Eddie Kingston, it's, it's crazy to think about the Eddie Kingston thing where, you know, he comes in and, and Cody's doing his, his open challenge thing. And, you know, Eddie Kingston just comes in and everybody was talking about that. Like as soon as it was over and, Again, it wasn't necessarily just the match itself. It's just you've got a guy that comes in and he immediately connects with the audience. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people knew who he was before, but it's just still you bring him onto that that spot. And I think they've done that with so many of these guys. I mean, Brian Cage, he comes right in. You know, he wins the shot at the title right away. Um, and, I mean, FTRs come in. They've won the tag titles. Like, they know how to bring people in and at least find a spot for them uh, and be able to make it work and to be able to immediately connect them with their audience. You know, for a lot of people, they probably knew a lot of these guys before they came to AEW. But I think they do such a good job of kind of throwing them right in and putting them in a spot to where even the people who didn't know them, like they immediately connect with them. And, and I think that's been something that they've certainly done a good job with uh, for sure. And and I think one of the other things uh, that uh, Andy people have talked about is think about all these people we're talking about. And the fact is not once yet have we mentioned Kenny Omega. Oh my gosh. It, it's a sin at this point that we haven't mentioned him. It's, it's a, it's a cardinal sin in the wrestling world right? that we haven't mentioned. <laughs> it's just but but that to me like i think so shows you kind of where things have been and of course uh, he's been more of a tag team wrestler and i think his usage is has been a point of contention i think for some people and of course you know people like myself and many others i know who watched him do his thing in new japan and saw all the great matches he had over there and of course we're talking singles matches you know, for him to be in this role that he's been is more of a tag team wrestler. And now, of course, recently over the past several weeks, we're starting to see that change to where he's, he's going to be in the tournament and all this other stuff. But I mean, it's it has been different for a lot of people. But at the same time, and many people have brought this up, you think about the match that they had at, at Revolution. You think about kind of just this overall character arc, I guess, for him and Hangman Page. Right. And, I mean, you, you can argue that even though Kenny Omega really hasn't been much of a, a singles guy in this company throughout this entire one-year run of Dynamite, he's still been one of the top guys just in a different role. And I think that has maybe been something, because it's been so different and it's so different than what people are used to with him, maybe some are still just kind of waiting and saying, well, it just it hasn't really done that much for me. 
I still think the way they've done this entire tag team run with these two has still been pretty good. And I think now it's, Without just, question. You know, and it's just a matter of seeing where it goes from here. Right. Right. And, and, and see, I, I have a bit of a bone to pick with, uh, within that controversy because I, I mean, I understand that people act like Kenny hasn't reached his, uh, his full potential so far in AEW. And while that may be true, uh, I mean, l- just look at some of the great singles matches that he's had uh, in AEW's run already. Uh, his his couple matches against uh, against Pac, yeah. uh, his match on Dark uh, against uh, Joey Janela, uh, his max his match against John Moxley for God's sakes, <laughs> uh, and the, I mean he he has still stacked up uh, some singles matches that have that have shown why he's why he's the amazing worldwide star that he's become. Uh, but in addition to that, like uh, the way that he and Hangman have been hoisted up uh, AEW's already amazing tag division. I mean, they're amongst teams like the Best Friends, like the Lucha Brothers, like uh, like like the Young Bucks, and and now FDR and and Hangman and Kenny uh, were hanging in there, right there with them, putting on bona fide tag team classics. It, it it it's genuinely incredible the 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 versatility that this man has. Well, that's what I was doing right now. Actually, you brought up the kind of the the tag teams and such. And my goodness, if you look at the tag team like division and the rankings, like you think about what they've done with their tag team division. And I know we're kind of all over the place here, but I think that kind of shows you like AEW has done to to me. They've done a lot of things really well. You already have a loaded tag team division, but yet you're putting Kenny Omega and Hangman Page in there. Got two guys we know that as singles wrestlers, like they can be big stars. And and obviously, I think that's where we're headed now. Man, you look at this tag team division. You think about all these teams they brought in. Of course, the Young Bucks were the ones at the very start we knew were like, okay, let's think about all these potential matchups that the Young Bucks could have with all these teams. And now, you know, you look around, man, and think about it like, Best friends. Like, think about how far that team has come and how much of a a role they play now. And, of course, we're talking – and I think we're probably going to bring this up in a little bit when we get to our our favorite moments and favorite matches. But, I mean, you just point out, you know, for them, Santana Ortiz, the street – or the, you know, parking lot brawl that they had. I mean, that was something to me that was on another level. You even look at all these other teams, like the Lucha Bros, who were out there for a little while because of the pandemic, uh, you know, they, they were stuck. They weren't able to, to get back in. But now that they're back into the mix, Butcher and Blade, I mean, you just you go down the list and this tag team division has just been incredible. It shows itself when whenever you're looking at the current rankings for the AEW tag division and the Lucha Bros aren't even right. on there. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, that itself shows how how stacked this division is. I and 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 you look at FTR and the potential that they have in in matchups coming up. I mean, we have the best friends coming up uh, here at the anniversary show. Uh, the the Young Bucks that that matchup has been teased for for literal years now. I mean, it it, it speaks for itself. Yeah, it does uh, without question. And uh, <laughs> this this division is uh, is unbelievable. But. Uh, as we look elsewhere, I mean, we didn't even mention Jurassic Express. Like, that's another team. It's just, man, that there's so many different oh my teams, gosh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a thing. Like, sometimes you forget. You look at everything else. I mean, we, we think about some of the other stuff. I mean, I just kind of just brought it up, but obviously we were probably going to get to it at some point. I thought their their recent addition, the, you know, everybody kind of says, well, you know, you watch this show week each week, and it, sometimes it's hard to kind of pinpoint because you just watch so much, and you're like, well, how can I remember exactly maybe what happened eight weeks ago or 14 weeks ago or six months? months ago uh or, or even one yes, week ago for exactly that. even one week ago especially in this year right and in 2020 uh where it feels yeah. like we've been, it's been five years but um you know I, I think back though and and i brought it up and i, I wrote a column for it on uh, 411 and 
you know, I thought that that episode that had the parking lot brawl with uh, Best Friends and Santana Ortiz, I thought that was probably top to bottom the best episode maybe and again this is the recency bias is always going to come into play here because can i tell you exactly what happened on the third edition of dynamite uh no but i can tell you probably that that edition was just unbelievable and i think it was just capped off as we said by that that parking lot brawl which is i mean quite frankly and, and you know i saw a lot of people say this but it was it felt like any unlike anything we had ever seen in AEW for sure but, like, you just think about on wrestling television, period, in this era, it was so different. And I think it's still to this day, like, it just stands out so much. And I just thought that overall episode was fantastic. Well, and, and I believe even even JR, who has been in the business for, for years upon years, came out and said that that was the best match of uh, of, of that nature that he's seen, speaking about that, uh, that parking lot brawl. And... And 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 when you stack that up against uh, against matches like I mean, I mean Eddie Guerrero and and John Cena have had a parking lot bra when when John Cena was first coming up uh, potentially two of the greatest wrestling stars of all time and to, and to say that uh, Santana and Ortiz versus the best friends in, in this parking lot bra is better I mean it speaks volumes and and it just shows uh it it, it just shows not only the the creativity that these that these performers have but but the trust that AEW has in them in order to let them go out there and, and perform to that degree. I think that's a good point. And, and, you know, we were probably going to get to that at some point, but that, that is probably the best point in that it's not just necessarily, I think the performers it's AEW's handling of putting them in these positions. And we kind of touched on that earlier, but you know, again, to think about that, like best friends versus Santana Ortiz, if you're, if you love tag team wrestling, like you would expect that to be a good match, but like, would you expect that to be a match that completely just, you know, set the internet ablaze in terms of how it did? And, you know, that's why, because again, they put them in that position. I thought the build was great to it. And I just think that's something they've done really well here. And it hasn't been easy to do. Again, week to week, uh, we know, like, putting on a television show each week is not easy to do. And it's certainly not easy to do. Mm-hmm within a pandemic, but yet they've been able to do that. Some of the other things I guess we could talk about in terms of, you know, the Dark Order. I mean, we talk about a lot of the stuff that AEW's done well. I mean, at the beginning, like, that was one of the things that people were knocking. And we remember back, I mean, the Dark Order, the way it started, um, it was not something that necessarily was connecting with people. And, you know, we can remember back to those early weeks, and it was just not anything that kind of was people were like this is not a main event type of faction and this is not one we want to see pushed down our throats each week i think that's another situation where you know they bring in brody lee they've made them such a bigger part of being the elite and i think that's been an important aspect for them because they've kind of allowed them just to go full-on um insane and i think that's been a very good thing because it's allowed them to kind of showcase their personalities more but uh that is one Mm -hmm. where you talk about you know maybe having to switch directions along the way uh the dark order storyline is one that they kind of had no choice but to do that on because it really wasn't connecting with people and and I feel like even though uh even though the Dark Order may not have been as well received near the beginning, um like you said, uh, once they switched it and added the intrigue of oh who is the leader who is the leader of this group is it is it Matt Hardy is it is it like you said is it is it Brody Lee, uh is it is it Raven, and then and then having the big reveal and and like you said earlier, 
the momentum that AEW puts behind puts behind these performers once they once they debut. Uh, it happened with Brian Cage and it happened with a uh, with Brody Lee and Brody Lee came in like a uh, like a freight train, yeah. uh, just tearing through the roster, um, just annihilating annihilating Cody and then leading up to the amazing dog collar match that they had uh, on this past edition of Dynamite, uh, just once again showing 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 the brilliance of a uh, of, of of the, of the creative that's happening right now they have and uh you know another i think point and we talked about the dark order you know that was something at the beginning that wasn't necessarily getting a lot of praise i still think you know if people look at it and they say what are some of those spots in AEW that maybe need to improve and what stands out on kind of the weekly television uh, on dynamite you know what are what are some of the areas they need to improve i still think people are going to point towards the women's division and say that you know if you compare the AEW's women's division to let's say WWE, NXT, whatever, there's still a lot of people I think that that feel like there's a lot to be desired with the AEW women's division, and I think it's one that, you know, to me, I mean, you you don't have like Rio, she was such a big part of that early on, mm-hmm. and and obviously she hasn't been able to be there as we know because of restrictions and everything, but. You know, still, I mean, we did kind of talk about the evolution of Britt Baker. I mean, that's been a huge boost to this division without question. Um, of course, Sakaro Shida, she's been fantastic just in terms of, of the wrestling and what she's been able to do as champion. Um, and then, of course, you know, Nyla Rose was kind of the one that, that started things off and kind of had the big push behind her. Big Swole, she's come along. I think Penelope Ford has a lot of potential. You see a lot of these other, you know, women's wrestlers. I mean, Anna Jay, I mean, she's become such a huge part of dark order i mean she's you know kind of one of the bigger stars of the group now um so exactly it's just i still think it's one obviously that there's room for improvement we know that uh but you know i also think that it's probably realistic to know that there are going to be some spots in the company that aren't as to the level as the others when we talk about how incredible the tag team division is we know the women's division isn't there yet but i still think they're doing a pretty good job of trying to develop some of these women and at least get them to that point and, and I feel like a big degree of it is uh is exposure. Yeah. I mean, w, WWE, like like you said, they have uh, an absolutely stacked women's division across uh across all three rosters. Uh, whereas AEW is having to build these uh build these women from the from the ground up basically, and and now you have the infusion of a uh, of of stars like Abandon coming in and adding a bit of character flair into the women's division. Uh, you have. You have monster behemoths like uh like Nyla Rose, uh like like Awesome Kong if if she ever comes around again, um athletic specimens like Big Swole, uh and 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 then like you said uh growing characters like uh like Britt Baker. I I think the I think the division is definitely on its way. It just needs a bit more exposure on the programming. I mean, look how often the tag team titles are defended. Look how often the TNT title is defended on television and then put that up against uh the amount of defenses that the women's title has. Perhaps uh perhaps a bit more exposure letting these characters breathe a bit more uh can can lead to a better reception of their women's division. Two others that have been a big part of that, and and for different reasons. Chris Statlander was obviously a big part from the beginning, but she's been out uh, injured for mm-hmm. the last little bit. And then I think Thunder Rosa has come in, and she's been such a huge boost. And obviously, there's a there's a different dynamic there because you know she is the NWA NWA women's champion. It's just a matter of okay, well, how much 
how much longer is she going to be with AEW? What's the next step for her? But I think she's given them a huge boost because her matches uh, with Sheeta thus far, I think, have been really good. Um, so they're headed in the right direction. I think it's it's trending up. It's just a matter of seeing, as you said, uh, characters and just sort of the overall development of some of these, and, and we'll see uh, how they do in getting there. Uh, I guess let's talk about, uh, before we, we go to pick some of our favorite matches and moments, I mean, Moxley is champion. That's uh, something we really haven't talked a lot about, but I think you never really know in terms of like a company like this that is newer you know how long is a certain guy going to hold the top title and and could there be mm-hmm. you know could there be three or four different changes throughout the year it hasn't really been the case with Mox. i mean since he won it from jericho as we know i mean he's been the man he's taken on so many different people along the way uh, we've talked about some of the most recent challenges against mjf brian cage um you know what have you thought overall just of moxley as a champion yeah, see, the thing about Moxley is that I, I, I was always a fan of uh, of Dean Ambrose when he was doing his thing in WWE, um, but I the, I wasn't always into into the actual matches. I always loved his character work. Uh, his matches didn't always hold me, but his work in AEW against the likes of Kenny Omega, uh, Pac, uh, like we were Darby Allen, MJF, Eddie Kingston. I mean, you can you can name them all. Uh, he, there's just been an intensity there that I've absolutely gravitated towards and and this run as john moxley has completely i I guess how do i say reinvigorated my (laughs) my emotional investment in in this wrestler which sounds goofy but it but it's true i mean uh he's he's proven to me why why he's been the top guy across uh or at least one of the top guys across across any company he's he's worked for uh what have you thought of it yeah, I think, and I don't remember who, Mox Amsher has brought this up, but I think I remember Jericho, because Jericho just does so much interview stuff. You just, you're like, I always feel like I'm always recalling something that Jericho said. I'm like, this guy's just, he talks so much, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, <laughs> he's just everywhere, right? So uh, right. one you of the things, <laughs> no, and so one of the things he brought up was to think about, you know, you think about where, where Moxley was when he left WWE. He's wearing that, whatever it was, that mask and all this other stuff and just such a goofy, silly type of storylines he was doing there late in his WWE run. And then you think and mm-hmm. kind of the difference in that and how he's come in and what he's been. And basically, I mean, he's essentially just been sort of an ass kicker. He hasn't really had to do anything else. Like, he's just had to come in and, and that's been the approach they've taken with him. And I think it's worked. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's something, too, with AEW. And I don't know if necessarily, you know, I'm sure you'd have to think about it pretty deep to go into this. But I don't think they overcomplicate things. I think they sort of, and, and again, I, I think also we have to remember, too, AEW and WWE are two different companies. Like they are different in their approaches. I think they have different intentions. One is a global entertainment company. The other is a, a worldwide, you know, wrestling company. And I think that's the differences of that, how they promote it. I mean, we talk about it, Andy, like even just think about the rankings, like stuff like that, like they make it feel more of the sports oriented type. And I think that's, what's been different. And maybe that's why it's connected with people at such a large scale that it has. And then let me pose you uh, this question. Uh, Moxley as champ versus Jericho as champ. Which one have you preferred? Because we have two different styles of, yeah. uh, of champion here. Uh, possibly the the more quote-unquote entertaining champion. Uh, uh, I, I, I would likely give that to, to Jericho just with – with the amount of wiggle room that he has uh, and, and just the stuff that he does in general. Uh, whereas Moxley, like you said, he's a bona fide badass. Uh, I would 
put him up against like a like 80s action stars. Yeah. He's going to walk in, he's going to clear the place, and he's going to walk out as a building explodes behind him. Uh, <laughs> which uh, which which championship run do you think uh, do you think you've gravitated towards more? Well, I think it's you know the what is it the old uh, of course this is how WWE used to do it, but it's you know it was always the methodology or always the thinking that you wanted you wanted the face to chase like you wanted them to be the ones that they're trying to sort of chase the title because that was where the money was at and you wanted you know to see a jericho as kind of his character going up against like we saw him like we saw him going up against jungle boy and darby allen and all these others but i also think moxley as champ has been to me maybe even better just because like you've seen him go up against so many different types of guys along the way like we remember like he had that little program to early in the pandemic with jake hager um you know we talk about the stuff that that he's done with brian cage and then mjf and they've all been different because you think about that you think about the differences with the opponents like the heels i think i don't know what it is like i just think they've all been such different challengers for him because again we're talking let's think about like hager MJF, Brian Cage, like they're all different characters. Like they're just so different in terms of what they bring. I think that's been something to me just to watch those. And again, I, we can even say the same coming up here with this Lance Archer thing because he has Jake right. Roberts behind him and all that. I think to me that's been really fascinating because you have Moxley that has to basically go up against all these different challengers, but yet they're all really different in terms of their approach. And I think that's what made that's what made the matches really unique to me. Right, and, and and I feel like the the thing that sets that sets it apart there are the clearly defined characters that yeah. that they're working with. Like you said, uh, Brian Cage, we knew who he who he was right when he entered the scene, right when he teamed up with uh with what what do they call themselves, the Taz Squad, what, uh, Team Taz. Right, right when he teamed up with Team Taz, you knew who he was. Uh, right when Lance Archer came in and he had uh, Jake Roberts behind him, uh, Lance Archer in the background throwing people through ceilings as as uh, as as Jake Roberts uh, gives a monologue. Uh, MJF, uh, the character work he does with the MJF 2020 campaign, uh, all of these characters uh, going right up against Moxley, it 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 just makes sense, and and that's and that's what's wonderful about it. Something else AEW's done, and I think we we noticed this specifically, they have done a good job of bringing those guys like Taz and Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And, because, look, the, these are people that, you know, I think there's a certain aspect of that audience. They can connect with those guys. And if these are people that have dropped off from watching wrestling because they don't like WWE now or they don't like this or don't like that, bringing back those guys, I think, and making them such a huge part of Dynamite over this past year that's been really important too. I mean, we even recently, you know, we've seen Vicky Guerrero come back and like there there's a segment of the audience somewhere that connects with those people because they're like, Oh yeah, I remember watching Jake Roberts or Arn Anderson or Taz on commentary at WWE or Taz and ECW wrestling or whatever. And I think that's something very smart. I think, you know, obviously in WWE it's so different now because they don't really use managers to that aspect. I mean, what do we think? We think about Paul Heyman and like that's about it, right? I mean, he doesn't really take on that a whole lot. Right. But even even Zelina Vega's gone now. Yes, exactly. Like even she's not in that role. She's a wrestler now. So I think because they've done that, and it's not just like they're they're not just bringing in anyone. They're they're bringing in guys that people know, and it's like, oh well, we can promote that Jake Roberts is here now, or we can promote, you know, that Arn Anderson is here with Cody or whatever. Um, you know, because these are guys that they can learn from, right? And that's why I think AEW, you know, they brought in guys like that to where 
these are all rising talents still for the most part. And to have them surrounded by these guys that know the business so well, that's been another important aspect, I think, of their development. Oh, yeah. And and more importantly, I think that they uh, they bring an air of legitimacy to to the programming because I feel like a lot of times, uh, I guess, more more judgmental people come into come into watching AEW programming and they see people f- flip around that are potentially uh, s- smaller smaller than themselves from time to time. But if you have someone like uh, like Jake Roberts come and and lend his name to a superstar, of course, Lance Archer doesn't need anybody to make him look intimidating because he's Lance Ar- Archer. But Jake Roberts uh, just makes him that much better. If you have uh, if you have Arn Anderson come in and and lend his name to to somebody like Cody, uh, it just cements him even further as the legitimate star that he is. You know. Yeah, it's for sure, and and I think that's been another big aspect of just you know keeping that viewership, growing that viewership um, has been just having guys that you know people can connect with, past and present, and they've been able to do that. Uh, with all these guys uh, for sure but all right Andy that brings us to uh, the fun part where we get to kind of pick some of our favorite moments favorite matches and like I said it's 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 not easy to do this because um you know like I, I mentioned earlier like it feels like 2020 with everything going on it feels like it's been five years um since 2019 but right um you know it's it's hard to keep up with everything and because we know the situation and circumstances have been different uh, maybe there are certain things that stand out for others but uh, let's start with this uh what are some of your favorite matches from this one year run of dynamite or ones that maybe stand out the most to you oh gosh okay so i i come from uh i i know you come from more of a sports background and sports writing and whatnot i i come more so from a entertainment background right. background in theater and whatnot um so the emotional investment that that i felt in Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes at double and double or nothing, or even uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman versus the Young Bucks at a uh, at Revolution. The the emotion that those matches packed uh, was was just incredible for me. It 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 was as if you're watching a uh, a Greek tragedy on screen as a uh, as you're watching these amazing uh, physical athletic performances uh, in real time as well. So. When it comes to my favorite matches, I, I I think I would have to stick with a stick with that amazing tag match at Revolution between the the Bucks and then uh, Kenny and Hangman, and then also that uh that first taste that we had with uh with Cody Rhodes versus versus Dustin Rhodes, and then that that amazing uh speech that Cody had in ring uh, following that match. I, wrestling doesn't get better than that for me. Yeah, no, and that's what you said. I mean that that storytelling aspect is so important, and we we've heard wrestlers talk about that all the time. Like it's not just a matter of, and this is sort of that old school, new school thing where sometimes you get that, that back and forth jabbing and everything, but like you need both, like you need that, you need that story, right? You can't just have one or the other. And I see people rag on the young bucks, uh, constantly saying all that they do is, uh, is, is flip around. All that they do is super kick, super kick, super kick, which I mean, it just seems ridiculous to me that somebody can watch a match like that revolution uh, tag team match and not see the value that that these men bring to uh, bring to not only this show, but the wrestling world in general. I think you just uh, again, it's it's one of those where you just the more you watch it, like you pick up on something new, I think every time you do. And I think it adds that layer of stories because you know, all these guys, like, it's not just, they don't tell their entire career story in one match or, you know, one angle. It's just, if you follow and you see kind of how they 
they progress. I think that's such a huge part of it. And like I said, I mean, I, I think back to that, even the most recent, you know, and I know recency bias plays a role, but uh, that parking lot brawl, the presentation was unlike anything we've seen. My I gosh. Mean, yeah. It just, it was so different. And I think the same, honestly, we, we talked about earlier, you said the same for the, the stadium stampede. And I know there were some people on the far one side that absolutely hated it. There were others on the other side that absolutely loved it. I was one that just loved it because I did not oh, going yeah. in expecting it to be a wrestling match. Like you said, you went in knowing that it's a story and <laughs> the, the, it's entertainment, right? And that's what that match was supposed to be. And I thought it delivered completely. Well, and that's the thing. Like any expectations, uh, like set them aside. If you go into an AEW show, you're going to be entertained in one way or the other. They have everything for you. Like yeah. if if you if you if you love the I guess the cruiserweight style of wrestling with the with the Hurricanranas and the and the rotating double flip arm drags and, and whatever you're looking for, uh, they're going to have that for you in droves and they're going to be the best in the world at it. But then you also have this amazing character work on the other side of it that is just undeniable. No, I completely agree. And uh, those have certainly been some of the best matches. And, you know, I, I think if you look at some of the best moments, and I'm actually going to take the Twitter here and read some of the uh, responses we got on Twitter uh, for some people. I put out something basically saying, hey, send in your, your favorite moments or matches uh, from this past year or so in AEW, and we'll talk about it on the show. Uh, Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we will give them some love. Uh, they Obviously, the very first show, uh, The Birth of the Inner Circle, uh, the mm-hmm. first no fan COVID show, which that was one that stood out. Um, such a unique feel to that for sure. Um, oh yes, brings up the the Thanksgiving Eve show, uh, Jericho versus Scorpio Sky. Uh, both nights of Fighter Fest. Yes, Bash at the Beach. You think about it like that. We're going to talk about that in a second. I completely forgot to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> FT, FTR's debut, Matt Hardy's debut, the TNT Open challenges, um, and then uh, Brody Lee, or excuse me, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Cody Rhodes. So that's uh, from Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump through a couple of these others, and then we'll hit on uh, some of the highlights. Uh, on Deck IC response uh, was uh, the boat, and <laughs> there you go, boats and uh, that. And he also said that uh, Revolution uh, was a literal perfect pay-per-view, as we brought up. Uh, Badger Estrada uh, writes in and says, um, Orange Cassidy showing up in random places and the match uh, with Pac. So uh, Orange Cassidy, I feel like we even talked a lot about Orange Cassidy. We'll get to that in a second. All right, I'm going to read our last one here. Uh, This is from uh, AEW Dub on Twitter. A great resource, by the way, for AEW people if you want to follow at AEW Dub. Uh, Pac versus Orange Cassidy, Cody versus Dustin, which we just talked about. Uh, Young Bucks, Young Bucks versus uh, Omega and Hangman, greatest tag team match in the last ten years. Uh, also brings up the parking lot brawl, Best Friends versus Santana and Ortiz, uh, Pack versus Omega, the thirty minute Iron Man match. That's another one you kind of forget about, but that was really good too. Wow. Uh, Hangman versus Jericho at All Out, yes. Uh, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros ladder match, yes. That's another one. Like, think about that. Think about all those moments I just read off from four people. Like four people sent that in, and like we didn't even touch on half of that. I just feel such a sense of personal shame that we've left out Orange Cassidy <laughs> to such a degree so far. Andy, uh, we, I, I ordered his shirt on the uh, the AEW shop. I ordered the orange, uh, freshly sweet shirt, so I'm, I might wear that on our first episode if it gets here. See, I, I ordered the one with his headshot, so maybe we can be matching. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, but like, think about it. We didn't bring him up, and like, he's been such a huge part of it too. Oh my gosh! And and if we're talking about uh, our favorite our favorite moments. Um, Orange Cassidy's whole run, like his breakout run versus versus Jericho, any of those segments, you can throw them into my fav- favorite moments because you would never, you would never think that a character like Orange Cassidy 
would work without like fan reaction, you know, but he, he has such a strong sense of character and he is presented in, in such a, in, in such a smart way uh, to that he, he he can go out there with with nobody in the crowds at all and I still feel like uh, I hear a crowd of laughter around me you know what right. I mean <laughs> yes and that's the thing is people kept saying you know he's someone man with no crowds like how what are you going to do with Orange Cassidy like what's he going to be able to do and I mean you've noticed the difference in terms of just the audible sound because you don't have a full mm. crowd of 20,000 people cheering but I haven't really noticed much of a difference like because they they've really found a way to keep him involved and obviously as you just said with the Jericho thing like that's brought him to another level now because he's not just a guy maybe even he was a year ago when AEW Dynamite started like he's a completely different person now but yet he still has all those different elements that make him such a a lovable character to so many people right and and now if uh if the last episode of Dynamite means anything it looks like a it looks like he's next up for Cody Rhodes as well, which that's an interaction that I, that I have never even uh, considered before. So I'm excited to see what they can do together because to me, Cody is a very, uh, very classic style of wrestling. Uh, whereas Orange Cassidy, uh, who knows what he can do in the ring? I mean, we haven't even seen I we, we haven't even seen a drop of orange juice worth of what he can do in the ring, I feel so far. No, I agree, and that's that. Uh, you, you just brought it up, but like you think about so many different matchups that you don't even, you don't even necessarily. I think because we're we're conditioned maybe to that face versus heel for so long, but like in mm-hmm. AEW, I think you can do so many things to where it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's because you know I don't know what it is. Like there's something about it, and, and I probably the more I think about it, I can probably have a better explanation. But I just feel like you know. Matches like that where it really doesn't matter if they're, you know, someone the crowd cheers, the crowd boos, you can put them together and it's probably going to work at some point. And, and and there's an unpredictable unpredictable element to it as well that is uh, yeah. that is just really attractive. You go into those matches and and you don't have a format in your mind that uh, that this match uh, could possibly follow. And, and it just opens up a, wor- a world of possibility for the performance, I feel like. All right, three quick things, Andy, and then we're going to wrap up and promote the Dissecting Dynamite show. We're going to do a little uh, quick rapid fire here. Uh, we, All right, we, sounds good. We may have answered this earlier, but uh, we're going to say it again because I don't remember if we exactly were both on the same page on this. But uh, the MVP of AEW through one year of Dynamite is... Oh, uh, I have to agree, Chris Jericho. Uh, it, I, if you're on the same page, you better be on the same page. I don't know who wouldn't be. Yes, I am going to pick Jericho too with that. I, I kind of made my reasoning for that earlier, but uh, a lot of a lot of worthy candidates. But I just think he's the over overwhelming one for me that has kind of stood out the most uh, in this one year run. All right, we talked about a lot of positive things, um, and we've talked about some areas of improvement. So that's this question: um, the one thing you would really like to see AEW improve in one year from now, when we're talking about the uh, the two year anniversary, or what's the biggest area you think they can make the the biggest jump in? I want us to be able to speak about the uh, the quality of characters in the women division as as well as we have for the uh, for the men's division today. Uh, just because I feel like, like we said, the potential is there, and we've seen some injections of uh, of spirit into that area with uh, Britt Baker, with uh, with with Baden, even even like you said, Anna Jay, things of that nature. But I feel like there could be so much more. So a year from now, I'm hoping that the women's division is something that we are just raving about. I agree. I would say that too, um, because uh, as we said, there's a lot of people that seem to be 
kind of in that mix now and they're they're moving on the way up and and I think AEW Dark which for me which you know I review the show every week for 411 and and getting to see some of these younger women's wrestlers that they're bringing in from you know the indies and such and kind of seeing how they mix and like oh well you look at this one you're like all right that one's probably gonna have a chance like red velvet she's one that's been on aw uh dark you know most re- recent episode she was basically saving brandy Rhodes. so that means they obviously have some plans for her um so yeah seeing ones like that penelope ford um you know thunder rosa if she's still there and kind of doing her thing i'd love to see her there full time with them uh, all those different ones and so I, I agree with you on that now, the thing that you're most excited about here after one year of AEW dynamite for AEW, what's the thing that that you're most excited about here moving forward oh gosh um okay so for me it's probably these young stars that we've seen been built up over the past year, the the MJFs, the Darby Allens, the the Sammies of the world, uh, just seeing the heights that they're going to reach. Because I feel like uh, I feel like there really truly is not a ceiling for for some of these guys. the uh, The potential is limitless, and I think within the next year we are really going to see them uh, them put a, a broader load of the show of the show on on top of their shoulders and uh, and carry us into the future. All right, I lied. I got one more, but I just thought of this one in my head, and I think it's really good. So uh, we're, when we do our, our two-year AEW Dynamite anniversary show, who is going to be the AEW world champion? Oh, my gosh. You know, we've, uh, we've talked about it a bit. We've, we've talked about how maybe he hasn't reached his full potential so far, but I'm putting it on the record today. A year from now... We are going to be looking at AEW world champion Kenny Omega. That's exactly who I was going to say. So there you go. We're on the same page there. Um, that is the one when I thought of the question. I was like, I think that's who I'm going to pick because I, I feel like this is a direction we may be going in. Uh, and we will see if that's exactly what happens. But, uh, Andy, this has been a ton of fun, man. We obviously brought up a lot from a one year of AW Dynamite. Um, but as we said, we're not done because uh, you are officially launching the Dissecting Dynamite show for 411. And uh, we're going to have that uh, first episode coming up after the anniversary show next Wednesday night. And we'll have the links to everything in the show notes. But for now, Andy, let people know uh, what they can expect and uh, what they can and, uh, get ready for here with the dissecting dynamite. Yeah, if you want to hear us uh, talk about dynamite even more, if you want to hear our thoughts on AEW even more, then make sure that you're uh, you're watching Dissecting Dynamite. That's 411 Mania's new live AEW Dynamite post show breakdown. We're going to be live every single Wednesday on 411 Mania's YouTube channel directly following the end of Dynamite. So make sure you are watching, make sure you're in that chat giving us your thoughts on the show because we love to hear them. Yep, we'll put the link to that uh, in there. And yes, it will be live after AEW Dynamite. So uh, come come join the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know we're excited to do uh, the first episode. Uh, we are we are really excited to do this because, uh, again, we know there are a lot of AEW fans out there. And, you know, rather than just talk about it on Twitter, which you can still do, you can come watch uh, live as well and comment and do all the good stuff uh, there uh, when we talk about AEW Dynamite. But, Andy, uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, we will get ready to do it all over again uh, on Wednesday night. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again to Andy Perez for joining me here on the 411 on Wrestling podcast to discuss uh, all things AEW and the upcoming Dissecting Dynamite show, which we are very excited to get launched on Wednesday night. So remember, 
We'll have all the links to everything you need in the show notes to 411 Mania's YouTube channel. Subscribe there and come on in, join the fun, join the conversation right after Dynamite on Wednesday night because we would love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and we will talk about the entire show and give our thoughts on what we thought about the one-year anniversary episode of AEW Dynamite. And as I continue to mention on the podcast, uh, the GoFundMe link for Larry Zonka's family will continue to include that in the show notes. Uh, So continue to share that. We thank you for that and uh, continue uh, to spread the word uh, so that it can reach more people. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app that you use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them, just search for 411 on Wrestling and you'll find it there, and you can subscribe for free. And if you enjoy the podcast, uh, take a few seconds, leave us a nice five-star rating and review. That way uh, we can have more wrestling fans uh, joining the fun here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. But uh, for everything else, 411mania.com, you can check out all of our written reviews over there. Of course, the G1, uh, almost to its conclusion for the 30th edition of the G1 Climax. Ian Hamilton has all his reviews going up at 411mania.com, so uh, if you're still catching up on them, or if you're not able to watch every show, you want a great insight into uh, what you've missed, uh, Ian Hamilton's reviews over at 411mania.com, and we have our weekly uh, television reviews up, uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, uh, of course my AEW Dark review up each and every week on Tuesday nights, you can check all that out at 411mania.com for all your wrestling needs. And uh, again, thank you as always uh, for listening to the podcast and uh, stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>